We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Now, your AEW Dynamite review. Grab yourself a free ice cream bar on me. With a monster who can't actually have ice cream. The Sala Monster. Tonight was a show. That really is the best way I can sum up tonight's edition of AEW Dynamite for August 25th. I am the Sala Monster. This is your Dynamite Review. Thank you for joining me here on a Wednesday after a very busy week. Last week. Boy, we had a lot of fun here on the channel. We were uh, live five nights in a row. Including Dynamite, Rampage, SummerSlam, NXT TakeOver, right back here again. Doing it all over again because now we are on the road to All Out. Coming up on September 5th, Labor Day weekend, the big AEW pay-per-view. And tonight's show is really all about moving things forward for the pay-per-view. As a standalone show, not very eventful. This was not an exciting show tonight. And a very flat ending, too. We had Malachi Black in the main event. I was looking forward to seeing him murder Arn Anderson's son. This was Arn Anderson's son's first singles match in a wrestling ring. He has been in tag team matches. We have not seen him yet until tonight in singles action. He did get killed, but he wasn't killed quite as badly as I had envisioned that he would be. Uh, but I just thought the way they went off the air, especially, you know, Malachi Black ducking out of the ring when Lee Johnson, of all people, gets into the ring. As if Malachi Black would have anything to be worried about when it comes to Lee Johnson. But I guess they're going to build to a match, I assume. What it looks like is that he's going to run through the entire Nightmare family until Cody Rhodes is ready to come back. And then we are going to get the rematch between the two of them. That is sort of uh, what they appear to be building towards. But I have to tell you. And part of the reason why I was not really moved by tonight's show, yeah, you had back-to-back -back segments at the very end of Dynamite Tonight with the Nightmare Family and the Factory. I cannot bring myself to care about the Nightmare Family or the Factory. And I can appreciate the fact that they're trying to build young stars and get them, try to get them over. Brock Anderson's brand new. You know, as uh, Steve Austin would say, he's he's green as goose shit. I mean, the kid's just starting out. Probably has no business being on TV yet. But, you know, whether it's him or Aaron Solo or any of those guys, I don't have an issue with them trying to give them some exposure and get them over. I'm not saying put Paul White in the main event, put only big names in the main event. But those two segments back-to-back -back at the end of the show, it's no wonder that I felt like the show ended on a flat note. Nobody cares about the factory. Barely anybody cares about the Nightmare family. They would care about Cody if he came back, but do they really care about everyone else in these factions? That was kind of the theme of this show. We saw it in, in multiple matches up and down the card. Uh, it was not a bad show. It was just not a very exciting show, and tonight they had a captive audience because tonight was CM Punk's very first Dynamite appearance. This was the first appearance of CM Punk on AEW Dynamite, 
I thought maybe they would throw out, you know, one or two matches that were not, you know, like giving it away pay-per-view quality matches, but they have such a bloated roster. They have so many names on this roster that I was expecting them to put together matches that were a little bit more compelling than what they gave us tonight. So, yes, they moved stories forward uh, in a lot of cases for All Out. Uh, They made some announcements about matches that are coming up on the show next week. We're going to get into all of that here. And maybe the biggest story coming out of this show was something that CM Punk said during his promo with regards to the next big AEW debut that is coming up in just a few weeks. He let it slip during his promo tonight about a certain someone who is all but confirmed now to be all elite. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about everything that happened on the show here tonight. What I'd like for you to do right now is to hit that like button. If you have not already done so, hit that like button. Super chats are open. You will see them on your screen. And I'm going to read all of them a little bit later on. And also a shout out to all of our new channel members, all the members of our family. Fuck the Nightmare family. We got the Sound Off family right here. We picked up a lot of new channel members over the last two weeks. And if you are one of them, I want to say thank you. Maybe we'll pick up a couple more tonight. Uh, So I want to give a shout out to all those folks. And I want to say thank you to everybody for this, because this was pretty damn cool. I have to say thank you for making Solomonster Sounds Off the number one fan-hosted wrestling show on Apple Podcasts in the United States earlier this week. And as you can see there, number eight overall when it comes to all wrestling podcasts. We had a great week last week, and that is only possible because of you. So thank you. If you are not listening to the full audio shows each week, and you enjoy the content here on YouTube, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. We got a lot of content packed into those audio shows every week, including uh, some history, Q&A, a lot of fun stuff. So anyway... Before we get into tonight's show, Tony Khan was on the Lebetard and Friends show, and he confirmed what Pro Wrestling Tees had to say on their own podcast uh, earlier in the week. CM Punk's debut last week was a huge hit. They did almost 1.2 million viewers for Rampage last Friday, uh, which was a huge increase over the first week, and I'm sure that's going to be A huge drop this week. I guess the question is, how much of a drop is it going to be? I expect it to be, you know, pretty much crashing right back to where they were before. So the ratings were good. Uh, I wouldn't say fantastic. They They were very good. But they also sold a lot of shirts. Pro Wrestling Tees went down. ShopAEW.com went down for many, many hours before they were able to get the websites back up. Everybody wanted to buy the new CM Punk t-shirt. The new Ringer t-shirt. And Tony Khan said that because of how quickly all of the punk shirts sold, they they have literally bought out the entire supply of Ringer t-shirts in the United States. I didn't even know that was possible. But I guess when you're Tony Khan and you're a billionaire, you can call in a few favors and you can do that sort of thing. So every Ringer tee in this country that they could print on, they have bought them. 
So if you bought a Ringer t-shirt and you're waiting for it, you'll be getting yours. It may take a little while, but apparently they're going to fulfill all the orders. And I don't know. I just, I heard that and I, you know, buying up all the Ringer t-shirts in the country. That tells you right there how huge Punk's return was for pro wrestling tees last week. The highest selling t-shirt by far that they have ever had. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why Punk is already paying dividends, you know, for the company. If he can be that much of a boon to AEW where he can move merch and help them in other ways beyond, you know, just TV ratings, we'll see All Out, for example, right? He's being promoted for a major match at the pay-per-view. And unlike WWE, where all their pay-per-views are on Peacock, so pay-per-view buy rates don't really apply to them anymore, it still does for AEW. AEW doesn't have their own network. AEW only has four pay-per-views a year. This is going to be the first real test of CM Punk's drawing power. How well does All Out do with him on that card against Darby Allin? You know, Tony Khan already made the comment that this deal for Punk is already basically paid for itself. You know, that's why he's he's making these moves. He feels like even if he's paying a lot of money to these people up front, he feels that it, in the in the long run, if not the short term, it's going to really pay off for the company. And we'll see. We'll see what his drawing power is at All Out. Matt Hardy opened the show tonight one-on-one against Orange Cassidy. We got a comedy sequence to start with Cassidy doing the light kicks. Matt was doing the delete gesture. Matt did the hands in the pocket steal just like Cassidy does. But he pulled out $100 bills instead. And he was flashing them around. And of course, Cassidy attacked him and knocked all the money all over the ring, and he took one of the bills and tucked it away in his pocket. So Hardy caught Cassidy on a dive as he was coming through the ropes, gave him a side effect out on the floor. Back in the ring, Matt hit a whole series of suplexes, and he took... So after he laid out Cassidy, he starts picking up the money. Yeah, that reminds me of, reminds me of Pac-Man Jones. I just covered Pac-Man Jones and the whole TNA fiasco in the history segment a few weeks ago. And I believe that at the time when Pac-Man Jones was going out to these clubs and he was making it rain, I think one of the issues is that uh, he was collecting the money that he was throwing down. And I think that's what led to there being some sort of an incident. And then there was a whole shooting incident. So uh, pulling a Pac-Man Jones here. He's reaching down and putting the bills back in his pocket. He reaches in Orange Cassidy's pocket and pulls out the $100 bill that he had tucked away. He wants his money back. The Hardy family office can only be successful. You're not going to be successful by throwing money away. So he wants to take the money back. So Orange Cassidy comes back, tries for a beach break. His back is wrecked. Matt's been working his back over for the entire match. So Hardy hits the Splash Mountain Powerbomb for a near fall. Cassidy comes back again, hits a dive out through the ropes. And then he hits a crossbody. Off the top rope. But he got some real height on this crossbody. He got enough height that he landed on Matt's face on the way down. As soon as I saw him land, I said, ooh. Let's see if he comes up bloody. And sure enough, he did. He probably broke his nose. Because as soon as Matt got up, his face was full of blood. He was leaking blood. It looked like his nose exploded. So it did not look good for him. Cassidy, with the hands in the pockets, though, hits the Jeff Hardy swanton bomb off the top. And he goes for a twist of fate. Hardy counters out of it. 
and hits a diving elbow drop for a near fall. Cassidy countered a Matt Hardy twist of fate attempt with one of his own for a close near fall. After that, he was setting up for the orange punch. Hardy ducked, tried to lock on his leech submission hold. That's one of his new, well, his new submission finish he's been trying to get over. Cassidy, though, turns it into a hands-in-the-pockets cradle for the win. I thought that this was, uh, this was decent at best. I really don't need to see Matt Hardy in the ring anymore. I really don't. I think Matt can contribute in a lot of different ways. I think he can certainly be a personality on the show. Uh, he, just based on what people have said about him in the past, I think he could probably be uh, a hugely helpful influence behind the scenes. But I think the days of seeing Matt Hardy in the ring, his best days are behind him. I don't really need to see Matt Hardy in the ring anymore. You know, his matches are not overly exciting. And this match in particular just was decent at best. I, I hope we can move on from this now, you know? I mean, the best I could say about it is that the right man won, right? The the AEW guy went over. He beat the WWE guy. But I don't think we need this uh, Orange Cassidy, best friends, Hardy family office stuff anymore after this. We had a Malachi Black backstage promo where he agreed with Brock's father who had a lot of trepidation about his son going into this match tonight, which turned out to be, you can see why, based on what happened at the end of the show. But he agreed with Arn in that Brock was in over his head, and he demanded that when the bell rings, Brock apologize. And if that doesn't happen, he will take out his anger on Brock, Arn, Cody, and anybody even remotely associated with the Nightmare family. Unless, of course, your name is Lee Johnson, in which case he will simply leave the ring and run away. Chris Jericho was in the ring next to address his future in AEW after losing, and not only losing, but tapping out to MJF in their match on television the week before. He said he was disappointed because he lost to MJF for the third time. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, We use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lost to him for the third time. Even worse, he tapped out. He put himself through all of that punishment, all the labors of Jericho and the the light tube stuff with Nick Gage. Everything that he put himself through. And the reason he did it is because he says, I have to. It's what I do. And he said that he had to beat MJF because it's like this mantra now running through his head. Beat MJF. Beat MJF. He said this over and over again. He said that he would keep calling him out until this was over. 
And he said, look, I'm, I'm going to propose one more match. Jericho said that he was proposing a match between them at All Out with the provision that if he cannot beat MJF, he will never again wrestle for All Elite Wrestling. He will never step foot in a match in an AEW ring again. So it's the Roman Reigns stipulation going into SummerSlam, which basically spoiled the outcome of the match at SummerSlam. And I think that we're seeing the same thing play out here. Although, at least in this case, given the storyline and everything Jericho has put himself through, he's so desperate. I will say the stipulation here actually makes sense. It makes more sense than Roman Reigns on the go-home show on SmackDown suddenly saying, if I can't beat you, I'm going to leave. Like, give me a fucking break. Who, who, who bought into that stipulation? You may as well just tell people who's going to win the match and not even do the match. But here, Jericho has lost to this guy, as he said, three times. He's desperate. He's willing to do anything, including putting his career on the line. So at least here, it's a sensible stipulation. But here's what he said. He said, I will go and do commentary full-time on Rampage. And maybe one day I'll end up doing commentary on Dynamite even. But if I have to lose this match, then I'll lose and step away and I'll go do commentary full-time. And as soon as he said that... I went and I went right on Twitter. As soon as he made that comment, I said, Jericho threatening to never wrestle again and instead make his commentary gig on Rampage a full-time thing has me rooting as hard for Chris Jericho to win a match as I have ever rooted for this man in my life. No, we do not need Jericho full-time on Rampage. Absolutely not. I will make an exception this time and say, put the 50-year-old guy over the young guy. Because I cannot sit through Jericho screaming in my ear every Friday night on Rampage. Chris Jericho has to win this match. I might just buy a ticket if I can find one. I'll go on StubHub, buy a ticket. I'll make a Jericho sign. I'll put glitter all over it. Maybe I'll put lights in it so it lights up on TV. I'll sneak into the building if I have to. I'll be there front and center cheering on Jericho. I'll be singing Judas in the crowd. I'll be one of those guys in the crowd singing Judas. Chris Jericho must win this match now. I took this as a threat. This is a threat that he made upon all of us tonight. MJF came out. He had a great shirt on that read MJF 3, Jeroblo 0. And he said that this is embarrassing. He told Jericho just to... Leave him alone. I have to say, he's right. It is embarrassing. Chris Jericho has continuously lost. MJF is right. Get over it. Move on. You're a loser. He's not wrong. He says the only reason Jericho is obsessed with him is that he needs the rub from the fastest rising star in wrestling. But, he says, while being able to say that I tapped out Chris Jericho is pretty cool, he did admit that being able to say I ended Chris Jericho would be legendary. And with that, he accepted the challenge, and the match is now official for All Out. It will be Jericho one-on-one against MJF. You knew they were going to have a match. I said this, uh, I've been saying this for a while now. Chris Jericho and MJF were not going to be left off the card at All Out. This is why I was puzzled why they did the fifth labor on TV. But they were building to a match with the career stipulation. 
And so the match itself, not a surprise, but now we know what's on the line. Jericho's career. Jericho's career and my enjoyment of Rampage each week. That is what is on the line here in this match at All Out. I have to say, though, and a lot of you pointed this out when I mentioned this on, on Twitter, Jericho is the smartest man in the world. This is, this is that, that reverse psychology here. He knew. He went on that first episode of Rampage and was as animated and loud as he, and annoying and obnoxious as he could possibly be, knowing that when they announced this stipulation, he would have everybody rooting for him more than they ever have before. He knew exactly what he was doing from the moment he did commentary on that first Rampage show. That's smart. He found a way to get me to cheer for him. Smart strategy. We had the Lucha Bros against Varsity Blondes, Griff Garrison, and Brian Pillman Jr. This was a tag team tournament semifinal match. The winners will go on to meet Jurassic Express on Rampage this Friday. In the finals, and the winner of that match will then challenge the Young Bucks at All Out in a cage for the AEW Tag Team titles. Young Bucks, good brothers, Brandon Cutler, they walked out on the ramp to observe and watch this match. Penta, early on, was trying to get a Cerro Miedo chant going, got up in Pillman's face. Pillman hit some forearms, and he ended up running into a kick before hitting one of his own. Step up Hurricane Rana took down Penta, who came back with a sling blade. So they go to break. We come back. Ray Phoenix hits a cutter on Pillman for a near fall. Penta is out on the apron. He is setting up Griff Garrison for a destroyer. Either a destroyer or a package pile driver, one or the other. Pillman breaks that up with a springboard drop kick that sends Penta off the apron. Pillman then gets pulled out to the floor. And... Pillman and uh, Griff were both super kicked by the Lucha Bros. Phoenix got in the ring. Now, both Garrison and Pillman are laying down on the ground outside. They're right on the ramp. And Phoenix hits the ropes. He comes diving through the ropes. And he lands on both men. So Ray Phoenix was doing Ray Phoenix things here in this match. Back in the ring, Pillman hit a spine buster. Stacked up Phoenix for a near fall. Garrison followed that up with a springboard elbow, but Penta broke up the fall. And the Lucha Bros hit a double super kick and the assisted package pile driver on Griff Garrison for the win. Penta and Phoenix pick up the W. After the match, Jurassic Express, they were in the crowd. They come in the ring to do the little face-off with the Lucha Bros. Young Bucks sneak down and they shove Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus into Penta and Phoenix with their backs turned. So, of course, when they turn around, well, you know, what, what are you doing, right? They, they thought that it was Jurassic Express. Young Bucks end up getting kicked or super kicked, I think, off the apron. But uh, this was all just to build tension heading into Friday. Like the opener, I thought it was decent enough. And uh, it sets up Jurassic Express against the Lucha Bros in the finals on Friday. That should be a hell of a match. For those who don't know, Rampage is taped this Friday. Rampage is not a live show. In fact, as as I'm doing this stream right now, uh, they're probably taping the matches for Rampage on Friday. So uh, if you do not want to know what happens on Rampage, then I would suggest you simply shut off social media and get off the internet for a couple of days if it's that important to you because you're probably going to see spoilers floating around. 
Unless AEW does what uh, WWE did at the NXT tapings and they start kicking fans out for texting and tweeting spoilers. A lot easier to do that in the COVID Coliseum with 150 people than in a building there in Milwaukee with, what, 4,500, 5,000? I don't think you're going to be able to avoid spoilers. Jamie Hayter with Britt Baker and Rebel in her corner. This is her first match since coming back to AEW. Jamie Hayter was out of the company for two years. And when we saw her pop up, was it last week, I guess, right? Last week of the week before. She is now with Britt Baker. And she looks great, right? Really kind of almost had like this whole makeover. Looks like a totally different person. Uh, I haven't seen much of her work, so I was looking forward to seeing what she would deliver here in the ring against Red Velvet. And, uh, yeesh. Let's get into this here. She hit a strike. Red Velvet hit a fez press and mounted with some punches. Hater hit a fallaway slam and was stomping on her in the corner. Red Velvet low-bridged Hater, who goes out over the top rope and she hits the floor. So Red Velvet then hits the, uh, she hits the ropes and she hits two consecutive dives out of the ring, which looked very dangerous. I mean, any any dive that anybody does in a match is dangerous. It's an inherently dangerous move, but this looked especially dangerous. So she hit two dives, took out Hater. Hater then threw Velvet into the ring post. And Britt Baker threw uh, Red Velvet into the barricade. I, I assume, I didn't see if the referee was distracted. I hope so. Otherwise, I don't know why that wouldn't have been a disqualification. So both women are in the ring now after a break. They're trading strikes. Red Velvet takes her down with uh, some clotheslines. She hits a face buster. She knocked Britt Baker off the apron. Red Velvet then completely botched a standing moonsault. This will go on to the botch reel. She did a standing moonsault, or attempted to, completely missed Jamie Hayter, and landed on her face. Looked like she knocked herself silly. This looked awful. Thankfully, Jamie Hayter, with presence of mind, did not sell the move, which would have made it even worse. She just ignored it, got up, and uh, finished off Red Velvet with a lariat. But if I had to sum this up in one word, yikes. That would be the word I would use. This was rough. After the match, the heels are beating down Red Velvet. Chris Statlander made the save. That is going to be your women's championship match at All Out, as I predicted. It seemed pretty obvious. I, I had people asking me last week, you know, sending in questions for the podcast. So who's going to face Britt Baker at the pay-per-view? I mean, it seemed pretty obvious to me that they were setting up Chris Statlander for the match. Tonight, they made it official. It will be Chris Statlander, who was unbeaten, at least since coming back, unbeaten in AEW, challenging for the championship. Backstage, we had Evil Uno in the Dark Order, and he was talking about how the Dark Order is all on the same page, and he made a comment, and Alex Reynolds kind of chuckled at it, and Evil Uno called him out, and... This led to the two of them going back and forth verbally, and Evil Uno said, you know, why don't you take a step back into John Silver's back pocket where you belong, and he immediately realized, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Alex Reynolds stormed off. So there is dissension in the ranks of the Dark Order, and I gotta tell you, great. Great. 
Although for some of the members of the Dark Order, it may not be so great. It might actually be in their best interest to stay as part of the group because otherwise they're likely going to get lost in the shuffle. I'm kind of over the whole Dark Order thing. I mean, now that Hangman Page is out of the picture, he was sort of the one that was keeping them relevant, to be perfectly honest with you. And I think if they're going to keep this group together, then they're going to have to go heel again because I just there's nothing about them right now that I find interesting. And they're not meant to be taken seriously, right? They're... You know, they, they're, they're an entertaining group and they do skits and stuff and, you know, there's comedy involved. But to me, that's not, you know, a group that I can take really seriously. So maybe the best thing for them would be, if not to uh, turn heel, would be to just split them up and just be done with the Dark Order. If this is the beginning of the end of the Dark Order, I'm okay with it. Unless, of course, the idea is that the Dark Order is going to start building tension. They want you to think that the Dark Order is done. But then they bring in somebody new to lead the Dark Order and repair the fracture within the group. Now, when Bray Wyatt was released by WWE, we talked about this. I went live to talk about all the releases, and I talked about it on the podcast. So we, we've talked about this before. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Should Bray Wyatt go to AEW? If he goes to AEW, should he be the new leader of the Dark Order? Should he follow in the footsteps of his good friend Brody Lee and take over in the spirit of Brody Lee? Take the Dark Order over, but really take them in a dark, you know, a dark direction. There is nothing dark about the Dark Order right now. Maybe Bray Wyatt comes in and he takes the group down a sinister path. Maybe. The rumors seem to be that Bray Wyatt may end up in AEW. And if he does, I wonder if maybe this is the beginning of, of a story where this tension in the group leads to them needing a new leader. Maybe that new leader is Bray Wyatt. It's just an idea to throw out there. It's very possible. But if they do break up, I won't shed a tear. Tony Schiavone was in the ring. Tony Schiavone was actually going to be the one to introduce CM Punk on Rampage last Friday. The original plan was for Tony Schiavone to be in the ring, introducing Punk in Chicago at the United Center. And I got to tell you, I'm really, really happy that that didn't happen. I'm glad that Tony Khan changed his mind and they did the Punk appearance the way they did because it was perfect. And I'm not going to say that if Tony Schiavone was in the ring and he introduced him, oh, it would have ruined it. But I don't think it would have packed the same punch. I liked it when you had the crowd chanting Punk's name and all of a sudden the music hits and they just lose their minds. 
I think it worked so much better that way. And Punk just came down. He took the mic. Nobody else had to be in the ring. The only one who needed to be in that ring was CM Punk. So I'm glad they changed their mind. But tonight, Tony was in the ring, and he did introduce CM Punk. And this was the first time all night up to this point, and really all night, I think, in general, that this Milwaukee crowd came alive. The Milwaukee fans actually came alive, and they were loud for Punk. This was not, you know, Chicago loud, but it was very loud in the building. And anybody who was at the building, I would love to hear from them and get their perspective on how loud the reaction was. But it sounded, you know, very good. And I like the way Shivani actually opened the segment before he even brought Punk out. He said, you know, I'm a wrestling announcer, but I'm a wrestling fan first. And you could tell how happy he was. I think he told the story on his podcast after Rampage on Friday how Punk and Shivani and Tony Khan and Tony Khan's girlfriend and a bunch of other people all went out to dinner after the show that night. They were out until 2 in the morning. You know, Shivani didn't even sleep. He got back to his room at 2.30 and realized he had to leave at 3.30. He's like, fuck it, I'll just stay out. That sounds like me in college. I had many a night like that where it's like, you look at the clock and it's like, what's the point in even going to bed? You may as well just stay up. Although I can't imagine doing that now. That that would just uh, ruin my day if I got no... Although I haven't gotten much sleep after the week that we had last week. But Shivani, he just he looks like he's really into it. Like he's really just excited to uh, be part of all this. There's like this genuine happiness in him that was just sucked from his soul in the dying days of WCW. It's actually, it's cool to see him actually having a good time out there and enjoying wrestling. Because for so long, I felt like this is a guy who just completely soured on the business and didn't want to have anything to do with it. And here he is. He He's all over the place on these shows every week. So he looked very happy to introduce CM Punk. Punk came out. And Shivani asked him, you know, what is it that brought you back? What was it that brought you back to wrestling and that brought you here to AEW? And Punk starts rattling off some of the names. Penta, Ray Phoenix, he mentioned Jungle Boy. But he said there's one guy above all, and that guy is Darby Allin. And he said that when he sees Darby wrestle, he thinks... Can CM Punk still go? Do I still have it? Am I still going to be that same CM Punk? So when Punk was 15 years old, Darby would have been his favorite wrestler. Doesn't fit the mold. He's not the biggest. He's not the strongest. He's a little weird. But he's got heart. And around this point in the promo, the crowd, and it might have been after the part where uh, Punk said, you know, can Can I still go at the same level? Am I still the same CM Punk? Whatever it was, the crowd started chanting yes. And so the entire building in Milwaukee, they're doing the yes chant. They're putting their fingers in the air and Punk's soaking it all in. And then he says, that's someone else's shtick. And then he said to the crowd, basically, I think his exact words were, you just got to be a little bit patient. And he smiled and everybody in the building cheered. Because they knew exactly what he meant. That right there is what you call the non-confirmation confirmation. confirmation, That Brian Danielson is all elite. 
There can be no doubt. Not that there was any doubt before. I think once Punk debuted, everybody pretty much figured, okay, well, if that's true, all the doubters who said, I won't believe it until I see it. Well, guess what? You saw it. And so I think it's pretty much a safe bet that Daniel Bryan is coming in as well. Nobody's heard from him, by the way. He's been very quiet. I don't know if he's been active on social media. I haven't checked. But uh, he's been very quiet. He has maintained radio silence. He hasn't said anything, despite all the rumors going around. But uh, yes, this was the non-confirmation confirmation that Brian Danielson is on his way in. Get it queued up. Get Final Countdown all queued up for Arthur Ashe Stadium. I'm very excited to see him come into the company. He he is someone, you know, Punk comes out here and he's talking about Darby Allen and Jungle Boy and all these different people he wants to work with. Daniel Bryan is going to want to work with everybody. That's just who he is. He was doing it on SmackDown when he had some creative influence. He's the one who got Cesaro a push on TV, finally, where he actually ended up getting a championship match on pay-per-view, which he had never gotten before. He could thank Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan was working matches with Drew Gulak last year. He's going to come in. He's going to want to work with everybody. He's going to want to work with Aaron Solo, and he's going to want to work with Brock Anderson. He's going to want to work with fucking Fuego Del Sol. He'll work with everybody. So he can be a real asset on that on that roster, just in terms of going out there, I think, and just having really good matches and trying to elevate younger guys. But, you know, it's not just about elevating the younger guys by just working with them. I want to see him in the ring with Punk. You know, one of the matches that I'm excited about is seeing CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. Yes, we've already seen it, but it's been long enough, and they had great matches. I want to see them in the ring again. You know, I want to see Brian in there with Darby Allen as well. I want to see him in there with Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. I want to see those matches every bit as much as I want to see him mix it up with the with the newer guys and the younger guys. But uh, like I said, get get the uh, final countdown ready. It's coming. It's coming. Oh boy, I haven't heard him. I have not heard him come out to that music and and the chorus where the crowd chants. In so long, since the Ring of Honor shows that I was at, it's so long ago. It's like a lifetime ago. So it all out, Punk said, he's not here to prove the haters wrong. He's here to prove himself right. And at the very end of the promo, he acknowledged his wife. He gave a shout-out to his wife, April. AJ Lee. I know there's a lot of people holding out hope that she might make some kind of in-ring return at some point. I wouldn't disqualify it as a possibility. I have no idea what her interest is in getting back in the ring. I'm sure that uh, Tony Khan would love to have AJ Lee, or whatever name she would go by, uh, wrestle a few matches in AEW. Get a Britt Baker-AJ Lee match at some point. I think that would be an attraction. But I have no idea what her interest level is in coming back. I thought it was a strong promo, but again, the real news was the uh, Danielson tease, which was not even planned. He just sort of went out and did it on his own. I wonder how Tony Khan felt about that one. But again, it's it's not as if we didn't know that he was coming in. It's, it's the same thing. They relied on all those fans who knew that CM Punk was coming in without them actually announcing it, right? To the tune of almost 1.2 million people. That's without even announcing that he would be on the show. Not one commercial mentioned that CM Punk was going to be on that show last Friday. And they still did almost 1.2 million people. The Punk segment did over 1.3 million. 
which just proves that you can actually pop a number just based purely on social media and internet speculation without announcing anything. So I think they know that people, you know, most of the AEW fans figure he's coming in. If I'm Tony Khan, I'm not bothered by what he did tonight at all. I'm smiling from fucking ear to ear. He's probably sitting back there with a big cheesy smile on his face. He's loving this. How could you not? If you're the promoter, if you're Tony Khan, first of all, Tony Khan, he's the biggest CM Punk fan. I, I said this when they had the media scrum after Rampage last week and he was sitting next to Punk for an hour almost answering questions. That smile, except when they mentioned Bro- when Punk mentioned Brody Lee. And all of a sudden, his demeanor changed. Aside from that, he had a smile on his face, Tony Khan did, the entire time. He looked like a a, a fan who won a contest to sit next to CM Punk for 45 minutes. He was beaming. So he's on cloud nine right now. All these new signings, all this buzz, all this momentum that this company has right now. Everyone's talking about AEW. He's got to be loving it. So if Punk goes out there, even if they didn't plan on doing it, and he's dropping a little hint about what's to come, Tony Khan's got to love that. Because, you know, once the Punk buzz dies down, we're we're in a honeymoon period right now. Punk's going to go from city to city for a few weeks and going to get these big reactions. And then he's going to have that first match, and they're going to be in Chicago, so of course the place is going to go crazy for him. The week after Chicago, the week after All Out, we're going to see. Now, they're going to be in the East Coast. They're going to be in Newark. Punk's going to get great reactions in all of those places, in New York, Arthur Ashe. But we are in a honeymoon period with CM Punk right now. As the Punk buzz begins to die down a little bit, it's going to die down if it does, just in time for Brian Danielson to debut. And it's going to start all over again. And Tony Khan knows that. Brian Danielson is the ace up his sleeve. And who knows who else he may get, right? We still don't know what Adam Cole is going to do. Adam Cole may be free and clear after this Friday if he doesn't re-sign with WWE. I mentioned Bray Wyatt a little while ago. We don't know if, if he wants to go there, if Tony Khan's interested in bringing him in. So there could be many more aces up his sleeve. But, you know, the way everything sort of worked out for him is perfect. Now, you don't want to bring in too many more guys than that because then it just gets a little ridiculous uh but i was thinking about that when when and if the punk buzz really starts to die down in a few weeks or in a month all of a sudden boom you get another infusion with another big name and it starts all over again and then you'll have the honeymoon period for danielson and so if AEW can carry that momentum into october and november right on into their next pay-per-view right full gear is going to be in november Uh, This could be a huge fall period for this company. We had a promo from Miro, the reigning TNT champion, who admitted to being wrong about Fuego del Sol, but uh, he does not forgive Eddie Kingston. And he says that he will find Kingston because he is the redeemer, and his wife will love him because he is the champion. Bring me the Mad King before I burn this place to the ground. I'm enjoying this Redeemer character. I have to say, I, I am enjoying uh, Miro the Redeemer. Speaking of Eddie Kingston, he teamed up with John Moxley and Darby Allen to take on the wingmen, Ryan Nemeth, J.D. Drake, and Cesar Benoni. Benoni was beating up Moxley when they came back from break. 
Moxley tags in Kingston. And there was a distraction from Ryan Nemeth. Allowed J.D. Drake to take out Kingston. But Moxley bit Drake's face. He tried to take a bite out of his face. As Eddie Kingston tagged in Darby Allen. He had an avalanche code red. He was laying in some slaps until Peter Avalon tripped him up. And when Peter Avalon did that, uh, outside the ring, Sting, who was in Darby's corner, Moxley and Kingston all went over and beat up Avalon. Nemeth then brought a chair into the ring, and Moxley and Kingston took him out. He didn't do anything with it. Moxley and Kingston took him out. Allen hit a stunner on Drake and hit the coffin drop for the win. Uh, this was quick and painless. This was just an opportunity for them to get a whole bunch of people in the ring, including Darby Allen, who, of course, they want him to get some reps on TV leading into the match with Punk it all out. Daniel Garcia runs out. He attacks Darby before uh, fleeing. As soon as Sting and Kingston and Moxley come in, they see what's going on, he flees. So yet another appearance by Daniel Garcia. Again, they, they must think the world of this guy. They keep putting him in these situations on tv i have to assume that next week uh, maybe next friday we're gonna get uh darby allen and daniel garcia uh we had ty conti who was in the bag being interviewed by alex marvez about the upcoming casino battle royal with the women which is going to be on the buy-in pre-show for all out and in comes the bunny. Oh, he also wanted to ask her about the infighting of the Dark Order. But before she could answer, before she could say anything, here comes the bunny. And the bunny said that there's a spot for her in the Hardy family office. And Ty Conti ripped up the contract that bunny presented to her. And bunny slapped her and they had a little cat fight. And uh, that was the end of that. Then we had a really cool segment. It was brief. Uh, but I like this. It was a video package with Dax Harwood talking about the injury to Cash Wheeler, saying that the nerves in his arm are not firing the way they should be, and there is some question about whether or not he'll even be able to come back. And so there's question about the future of FTR if Cash isn't able to return. But then Cash appeared, and he had a wrap around his forearm. And he said that they needed one more match so they could get their pound of flesh from Santana and Ortiz. He says, where I'm from, you rub a little dirt on your wounds and you keep going. Or if you're Sabu, you send uh, Bill Alfonso to 7-Eleven to buy a bottle of superglue. And you pinch the wound shut and you superglue it like he did in his match with uh, Terry Funk all those years ago, the barbed wire match in ECW covered that on the history segment a few weeks ago so the match against santana and ortiz we found out later on is going down next week so i guess cash wheeler is well enough uh they have cleared him they're not waiting for all out they're doing it on television next wednesday and i have to assume the reason for that is because santana and ortiz are going to get their win back if you remember ftr won the first match the match where cash got hurt uh dax got the pin i think on ortiz in that match so I look at this and I say, Santana and Ortiz, they get the win next week. And there's still time then to set up the rubber match at All Out. I still think these two teams will have a, a third match at All Out. They have the match at All Out. Santana and Ortiz go over again in that match. And that then paves the way for the Dynamite Grand Slam show on the 22nd. Tag Team Championships. Young Bucks, assuming that they retain 
at All Out, which I believe they will, uh, defend against Santana and Ortiz and Queens. The setup is right there. It's all right there. That would be the place to do the title change. The Bucks have been champions for a very long time. If you want to blow the roof, if there is a roof, I guess it depends on the weather. There is a retractable roof at Arthur Ashe Stadium, so it may or may not be up that night. Uh, but if you want to blow the roof off that building, that's what you do. You have the Bucks drop the belts to Santana and Ortiz. In New York. You do the title change in New York. Come on, bro. New York. Tony Schiavone, back in the ring to interview the AEW world champion, Kenny Omega, who was out there with his entourage. Michael Nakazawa was out there, and Don Callis was with him at his uh, annoying best. And, of course, Callis immediately pulls the microphone out of Tony's hand. But, before he can really say anything, he is immediately interrupted by Christian Cage's music. Comes out with his Impact World title over his shoulder. Christian was on Impact a few weeks ago, and he officially retired the TNA Championship. They had resurrected the TNA title, even though TNA hasn't been a thing for years. Uh, But it had been resurrected, I think, by Moose uh, some time ago in a storyline didn't really have any purpose to exist anymore. And he probably just didn't want to carry two belts around. So there was a segment on Impact a few weeks ago where finally, once and for all, the uh, Impact World Championship was done away with because it just wasn't needed. But I'm glad they played this. Christian came out and they played a video. This was in the Road 2, because they do these great Road 2 videos, like video diaries, on the AW YouTube channel. And they had a great one that I, I saw it last week, and they had footage in there from some Canadian independent promotion where Christian, 20 years ago, or 25 years ago, had wrestled. Don Callis was the champion at the time. Some great footage. And they tied it into the story of how Callis got Christian basically blackballed from that promotion in favor of this other guy, which turned out to be Kenny Omega, who at the time was 10 years old, which is fucking weird. Uh, so, But they played the footage here. I'm glad that they didn't just keep it online. They, they showed it here on TV. And Christian called Callus a carny piece of shit. Callus, though, talked about himself. He likened himself to the great promoters who looked out for their family. Vern Gagne, Bill Watts. He name-dropped Vince McMahon, who got booed. These people watch Raw. But he said Omega wasn't Eric Watts or Greg Gagne. That's the difference. Christian said that he wasn't sure if it was more pathetic that Callus manipulated 10-year-old Kenny Omega, (laughs) insinuating that he was, like, grooming this guy, uh, or that adult Kenny Omega still allows it to happen. Omega in here looked at Christian and said, You think you know me? You think you know me? Callis said that it all out, Christian would find out what Callis has known his entire career. That Christian's second best, and Christian went to go hit him, and he ended up in a scuffle with Omega. Of course, Christian was overwhelmed. Frankie Kazarian, the elite hunter, as Excalibur loves to exclaim whenever he runs out, the elite hunter ran out to chase away the heels. So I'm just waiting. I mean, they're going to set up a title match probably at some point on TV. I hope it's on TV and not pay-per-view. 
between Kenny Omega and Frankie Kazarian. I mean, that could be a Dynamite or a Rampage main event one week. I have no issue with that. John Moxley was in the back, and he was cutting a promo, and he was noting that the New Japan star he wanted, he didn't mention Tanahashi, but obviously he was referring to uh, Tanahashi. Tanahashi is not going to be available to meet him for the United States Championship. Unfortunately, he is going back to Japan, so we're going to have to wait to see Tanahashi and Moxley. But the one New Japan name who sent the contract back to agree to a match with John Moxley was the legend Satoshi Kojima, who is going to be in for All Out to do the match with Moxley. That is very disappointing, obviously. Uh, I was looking forward to even somebody like Ishii or Suzuki. Suzuki's doing a whole bunch of uh, GCW shows. I don't know why you couldn't do uh, pick him. Maybe there's a scheduling conflict. I would have taken Moxley and Suzuki. Shit, sign me up. Moxley and Kojima, eh. I mean, it'll probably be good. But uh, I can't say that that gets me overly excited. I'm very disappointed. Of all the New Japan names that they would go with Kojima over some of the other ones they could have gone with, I'm disappointed. But he says Kojima is a legend, and he's insulted that Kojima feels like he could go one-on-one with Moxley, that he would so cavalierly sign the contract for a match against him. He said, look, once that bell rings, I've got no respect for anybody. So it all out, it's going to be the public execution of Satoshi Kojima. We had the Gun Club, Billy Gunn and his Spawn, taking on QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Caveman Camarado. We had Billy Gunn and Camarado starting off, eventually uh, Austin Gunn and Aaron Solo tagged in. There was a clothesline from QT on the apron that allowed the factory to take control before the break. They come back, Camarado is in control. Aaron Solo tags in. And he allows Austin Gunn to escape. Gets the hot tag to his brother, Colton, who comes into the ring. Colton hits corner splashes on both heels. Or uh, Solo and QT. So QT starts pointing over at Paul White. Paul White is doing commentary. He's a guest on commentary for this match. And he's looking over at the announcers, and he's pointing to him, and he's taunting him. And Paul White stands up. And this distracts QT Marshall. And so with him distracted, Billy Gunn rolls him up for the quick win. There was no need for this. There's there's just there's so much wrong with this. First of all, QT Marshall. That's that's what's wrong, number one. Number two, Billy Gunn and his sons. Why are we getting the gun club against the the, the factory here on this show? You have, as I said earlier. You have a captive audience tonight with CM Punk's first Dynamite appearance. Possibly one of the most watched episodes of Dynamite. We'll find out tomorrow if the audience is way up or not for Punk's first appearance. But let's assume they have a bigger than usual audience tonight. Okay, Well over a million viewers, whatever it is, right? You know you're probably going to have a big audience tonight. You're going to have people tuned in, maybe even some newer fans tuned in. And you book Billy Gunn. Basically, Billy Gunn against QT Marshall. Who wants to see this? Of all the people you have on your roster, this is what you book? The Gun Club against the Nightmare Factory? 
or not the nightmare is it the nightmare factory or <laughs> it's the nightmare family I'm all confused now. Is it the Nightmare Factory? I think it's the Nightmare Factory too. Whatever the fuck they are. I don't give a shit. This match should not have been booked for this show tonight. I know that Paul White has a match with QT Marshall at All Out. I understand that. You didn't have to do this match. Plus the distraction finish. I mean, that's just fucking lame. We, we see enough of that as it is. So the fact that they booked this match of all matches on this show is just mind-boggling to me. We had Dan Lambert in the back with the men of the year, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. He couldn't believe that AEW fans want to see people like Sammy Guevara and Orange Cassidy week after week. They don't want to see tough guys. He brought some... Real men here who are going to stand up to the woke masses like Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. They're going to set an example. So as I figured when they attack Lance Archer, uh, Lambert has basically recruited or is uh, backing up Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. I guess he'll be their manager. I guess he'll be in their corner when they when they wrestle. I mean, again, the gimmick is fine. I just thought that the last promo he did on TV was just very, it felt very forced. He was trying to stick every trope in there that you would expect a boomer to be out there talking about insulting millennials and every basic insult. It just seemed so forced to me. This was more of a dialed down version of his speech from last week. Uh, But I think as a character... He's got a very strong personality. I have no issue with him being, let's say, a manager for a while for some of these guys. I think that's the right role for him. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So this is a very straightforward segment here. That led into the main event, which was Malachi Black, his first match since his destruction of Cody several weeks ago, taking on Arn Anderson's son, Brock, in what we were told was Brock's First singles match ever. He's got like a 5-0 and or 5-1 and record, but they said that's all tag matches. Brock immediately goes for a double leg takedown. Black, though, comes right back with a knee strike right under the chin. Takes control of the match. He's looking outside at Arn Anderson. He's telling him, I think he was telling him to pick up the towel, just throw the towel and just end this already. Arn, of course, did no such thing. Black hits an exploder suplex. Brock gets up, and Black hits the Black Mass. And down goes Brock Anderson for the camp. This was a last-man-standing match. He would have been counted out. That would have been the end of the match. He was out, and he was not getting up. And this crowd, 
This crowd is so upset about Malachi Black, what they're doing to this poor kid who, who looks like a 60-year-old man in the body of a 25-year-old. They're so upset at what he did to Arn Anderson's son that they chant one more time. They want him to kick him right in the face one more time. Animals. So finally, he, uh, after walking around the ring and taking his time and making Arn Anderson watch, he finally goes for the pin. He gets the three count. He leaves the ring. Arn Anderson gets in the ring to check on his son and to uh, plan the funeral. Black grabs a chair from under the ring. and He brings it into the ring with him, and Arn Anderson says, What are you doing? Get rid of the chair. Take me on. Get rid of the chair. So Malachi Black ditches the chair, and he goes for Black Mass, but Arn blocks it. He gets his arm up. And he blocks the kick. Arn Anderson has figured out a counter to Black Mass. And then Malachi Black says, well, you know, fuck it. And he kicks him in the nuts. And then he hits the Black Mass. And down goes Arn Anderson. Out comes Lee Johnson. Who, he doesn't run to the ring, but he's walking with purpose down to the ring. And Malachi Black who should have just looked at this kid and laughed, and as soon as he got in the ring, kicked his fucking head into the fifth row, he leaves. Because they're probably setting up for a singles match, so you don't want to give it away just yet. But it was still very silly, I think, of all people, for him to bail on Lee Johnson. But, yeah, they're trying... You could see the ones that they... You could see the young names that they view as having a future, right? Daniel Garcia, for example. Uh... Brock Anderson, it's still too early to know with him, but uh, Lee Johnson, right? He had he had a great match with Miro a few weeks ago. Great showing in there with Miro, right? Dante Martin of Top Flight. There's certain guys that they have who are still very inexperienced and they're still very, very unknown, but they're trying to give them a shot and they're trying to get them over. So they're going to try with Lee Johnson. I'm sure Lee Johnson is going to eat a kick just like uh, Brock Anderson did tonight. But I do think what this is leading to is he's going to go through members of the Nightmare family until Cody comes back, which is probably a few weeks away. He's still filming uh, for his TV show. But I think that's where this is leading to. But as a main event segment to close out the show, this was very, very uh, uneventful. I thought this was a very dull finish to the show. I mean, they can't all be uh, home run finishes with some big name coming out, but... Uh, this did not this did not excite me. This Friday, it is a taped rampage. Ty Conti one-on-one against The Bunny hopping into the ring. Jurassic Express against the Lucha Bros in the finals of the tag team title Eliminator. The winners will meet the Young Bucks at All Out. Kenny Omega and Brandon Cutler take on Christian Cage and Frankie Kazarian. So that's this Friday. Next Wednesday on Dynamite. It is going to be Brian Cage against Powerhouse Hobbs, Orange Cassidy against Jack Evans, FTR against Santana and Ortiz, Jim Ross interviews Chris Jericho in the ring, and Tony Schiavone will sit down with MJF. So those are the shows next week. Actually, um, this Friday and next Wednesday, I should say. Let's go through this all-out lineup because we have a full lineup. Uh, They may not be done adding matches, but we have a pretty full lineup for this pay-per-view coming up on September 5th. Uh, First of all, they have not announced this yet, but it seems like Miro is likely going to be defending the TNT Championship against Eddie Kingston. So that's probably going to be 
on the pay-per-view unless they do it on TV. But clearly that is going to be the next challenger for Miro. There is a women's casino battle royale on the buy-in pre-show. And I have to imagine that Ruby Soho, she's my prediction, she's my pick uh, for the Joker entrant in that match. Uh, I see her winning the whole thing, frankly. I've enjoyed watching the little vignettes that she's been putting on social media. They're very well produced. Uh, The most recent one she posted, I think, yesterday is her hanging out outside of, I think, a mini-mart at a gas station. And some guy pulls up, parks his car, goes inside... She then steals his car, because in these in these vignettes, she calls herself the runaway, right? That's what they show on screen, the runaway. So as soon as this guy goes in, <clears throat> she steals his car. She's a car thief. And she's driving down the road, and she's putting different songs on the radio. And she flips to a different station, and they're playing her WWE theme music. You could hear the Riot Squad theme. And all of a sudden, she freaks out. She almost swerves off the road. And she comes to a stop. And she's just, she's breathing heavily. She starts crying like it's a traumatic experience. Hearing this music, it just triggered these horrible memories for her. This was like the second or third vignette that she's put out there. And again, I don't know who's who's working on these, but they're very well done. Uh, They're very similar to the Malachi Black ones or the Buddy Murphy ones. We've seen him posting on his uh, social media. So I expect her to be in that battle royal and uh, probably win the whole thing. We've got Paul White one-on-one against QT Marshall. Maybe they'll fall through a hole in the ring and they'll just disappear into the abyss. We won't see them again. I don't mind Paul White on commentary. But uh, QT Marshall can can go away. We have Andrade El Idolo against Pac. This is one of the matches I am most looking forward to on that pay-per-view. They had a video package tonight, hyping it up a little bit. I'm really looking forward to seeing that match. We have not seen Andrade uh, wrestle anyone of any real note yet in his AEW career. It feels very much like his debut and his arrival have been very, uh, very, very toned down. Now we're going to get to see what he really brings to the table when he's in the ring with a quality opponent like Pac. So that's going to be a fun match. We're going to have the tag team titles on the line. Young Bucks defending against either Jurassic Express or the Lucha Bros. I I expect it to be Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. That would be my prediction. We've got MJF against Chris Jericho. If Jericho loses, he will never wrestle in AEW again. He will go full-time into Rampage commentary. I'm telling all of you right now, root for Chris Jericho. Root. Root, root. Like you have never rooted before. Let's go, Jericho. Go, Jericho, go. Go, Jericho, go. Go, Jericho, go. I'm going to be his biggest fan that night. He must win. We have Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defending her championship against Chris Statlander. We have Kenny Omega defending the AEW World Championship against against uh, Christian Cage. And we have CM Punk, the real main event of All Out. That's why I'm listing it last. CM Punk one-on-one against Darby Allin. That is your main event. So that is the current lineup for the All Out pay-per-view. Yes, Ultimate Elite is making a Jericho. I want everybody to make a Jericho sign that night. We need to do all we can to cheer this guy on and get his motivation up 
so he can pull out a win. Let's check out the uh, Twitter poll so far. Got about uh, 76% thumbs up. 24% thumbs down with about 1,500 votes in so far. And uh, we also have a poll going in the live chat. If you are in the live chat, go ahead and vote. 82% thumbs up, 18% thumbs down with about 950 votes in thus far. That is where uh, things stand as far as the polls are concerned. And of course, as we do uh, each and every week, this is where we uh, get to hang out here and I get to take your comments and questions. What did you think of the show? What questions do you have for me? We're heading into All Out. Have ourselves a little super chat party here. Let me just get this open here so you can all see them. And then we'll switch over to the super chats. There they are. There they are. Let's see what you guys are talking about. Let's see what's on your mind. This is where you guys get to let your voices be heard. Like, powerful one here, who dropped a $5 super chat. Failed star in the chat says, Hi again, Solomonster. I voted. Where's my sticker? I'm all out of stickers. But uh, I am happy that you voted. People have died for your right to vote. You should be proud. You should be proud that you have casted your vote here. A powerful one says they could go the Brett Austin route. With Punk and Darby, after a war of a match, Punk locks in the Anaconda Vice and Darby does not tap. And as I said to him in the chat, I don't think that would be a bad idea. That way you don't pin Darby Allen. Although there's no there's no shame in Darby Allen being pinned by CM Punk in his first match back in Chicago. You know, it could just as well be the go to sleep one, two, three, but you know, if they wanted to do a finish where he he locks on the submission and Darby doesn't tap, he passes out, you could do that. Uh, Nayef Alsafar, thank you again, my friend, for the $9.99. Always good to hear from you. <laughs> Lakers Pats in the chat says, stop the steal. No, no, the, these polls are legit. I got a whole team here just to track all the all the ballots to make sure they're properly cast. Jose Inoa with the $20 super chat drop. Solomonster, Shockmaster segment with Patrice O'Neill narrating is about 10 minutes of non-stop laughter. Patrice and company take it to that next level. Yeah, that's why I pointed it out. I did a whole segment on the Shockmaster's debut in WCW as part of the history segment last week. And as funny as it is to go back and watch that, it's still funny. It still makes me laugh to this day. You have to go find the old, I think it was Opie and Anthony. They did something where they were they were covering, I don't know if it was just wrestling botches or just funny videos, and they, they talked about and watched in real time the Shockmaster debut. And Patrice O'Neill, who has since passed away, he was part of that segment. He was laughing so hard. It, it's impossible not to laugh when you watch or when you listen to them watching it for the first time. Uh, for some of them for the first time. Some of them hadn't ever seen it before. It is so funny. I was crying the first time I listened to that. It is true, though. When you when you listen to other people laughing, their laughter can be so infectious that it just makes you laugh. Even if you don't actually find what they're laughing about funny, just them laughing can make you laugh. 
Oz and Glorious Punk segment 1.6 million. This QT match 0.06 million. Yeah, now you're being very optimistic about 1.6 million. I I would think it would be a victory if they just got back up to like 1.2 tonight. Uh, if they do anything more than that, I'll I'll be I'll be impressed. Yeah, shout out to uh, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee uh, has COVID, and he was in a real bad way earlier. I know he was at home uh, during his uh, his radio show or an internet show, and he couldn't be in studio, so he was via FaceTime laying in bed. And he had at one point like a hundred and four point something fever, which is like, I mean, you start getting into like one hundred three, one hundred four. That's like get to the emergency room level fever. And he wasn't sure what he had, but he has since tested positive for COVID, so he will not be on SmackDown this week. So I don't know if it's going to be Michael Cole and Corey Graves, or if it's going to be Michael Cole and... I saw Bailey's name was trending. People, if she's physically able, they were like, send Bailey to SmackDown this week. Bailey and Michael Cole actually could be very entertaining. I would not... If she could physically be there, I vote for Bailey. I would like to see Bailey just ripping on Michael Cole for the entire show on Friday. I think that would be great. Uh, Oz and Glorious again says the oh, if AEW charged $9.99 a month to not put QT on TV, I would gladly pay up. And uh, we have Shiesty B. The Redeemer might be Miro's best gimmick. Also, buy or sell on the better NXT undefeated streak, Asuka or Walter. Match quality included. You gotta go with Walter. I mean, come on. First of all, I think a longer streak, but the matches that this guy has put together, legitimately he has had so far. The year's not over yet. But Walter has put together, for me, the two best matches in the entire company, in all of WWE, for the past two years. He did it last year with Dragunov. They just did it at TakeOver on Sunday. Year's not over yet. But you can't argue against the quality of his matches. Walter is fantastic. David Rivera. Despite the weird angle to end the show on Lee Johnson against Malachi Black sounds like a great match. Yeah, but it really shouldn't be all that competitive. Actually, that was Ryan Spies. I I read Ryan's super chat and I attributed it to David. David with the 499. Not the best showing and follow-up from Rampage. Lots of production issues and the episode just felt messy as a whole. Still excited or uh, exited, as he said, for All Out. Nick Grosso. The Jamie Hayter Red Velvet match was easily the worst of the night. Really? Because I I didn't really think the gun club and the factory there was all that great either. Uh, Tuxedo T. Servo. Other than Velvet throwing herself all over the place on her outside bumps, a meh show. I know you have to hold back for the go-home, but yikes. So that was the word that I used. (laughs) When I finished reviewing that Red Velvet match, that was the word I used. Yikes. Nick Grosso, with all of the chaos going on in the Dark Order, maybe Bray Wyatt can get them back on track. We're on the same wavelength. Just talking about that during the review. 
Ryan Spies, Colton Gunn's undefeated streak continue. I wasn't even aware of the fact that he had an undefeated streak. You're paying more attention to the gun club than I am. By, by the way, I, it is quite uh, amazing how much uh, his his sons do look like him. I, mean, I get that they're father and son, but you know sometimes your your kids might look more like the mom than the dad. These two kids are like just clones, Billy Gun clones. And for a guy who's 60 years old, look, I'm not saying he's not in amazing shape. He is, but still, Billy Gunn and fucking QT Marshall here on this show tonight? No. Absolutely not. Magician Sapphire, Dynamite tonight was not bad, but it felt like filler. And the Red Velvet botch is botchamania worthy. Yes, it is. She fell flat on her face. <laughs> We're talking about the Shockmaster. I just talking about the Shockmaster, and you could hear Davy Boy Smith. He fell flat on his arse. Red Velvet fell flat on her face. Totally missed her. She totally missed Jamie Hayter. I'm just happy Jamie didn't sell it. You know, sometimes you sell it anyway. That would have made it so much worse. Rodimus Prime, congrats on the success on Apple. That said, anybody but the Nightmare family and the factory. Solomonster family for life. Thank you to King Solomon in the chat reminding everybody to hit that like button. It does help out all of the videos here on the channel. If you want to support the channel, you can just hit the thumbs up. It's as simple as that. Samoan fan. 101. Adam Cole left WWE. He could be in AEW by all out. He has not left yet. That was a uh, false alarm. He has not left yet. But uh, as of Friday... He may be a free agent. If he's got any sense about him, he will be a free agent. I don't know why. Why wouldn't you want to be a free agent? Test the waters. See what kind of offer you get. It's the smart thing to do. Doesn't mean he can't still sign with WWE. What are you in such a rush for? KD. Dropping 10. Good lord. I have to choose between another MJF Jericho match or have to endure him on Rampage commentary. I lose either way. I buy on Solomonster, wrestling Marco Stunt and maybe Jason. <laughs> I think I could take him. Actually, I, I was around him on the Jericho Cruise. I know I could take him. I know. I, you put me in the ring with Marco Stunt, I guarantee I could take him. Sohail with the 499. Hey, Solo, how would you book Adam Cole's AEW career, assuming he is jumping? Further your thoughts on Black and Andrade work going forward. Uh, well, we're about to see what Andrade can really bring to the table in that match against Pac. Uh, Malachi Black, he's just getting started. I got high hopes for him. Uh, Adam Cole in uh, AEW. I know a lot of people have said him and Britt Baker, they could be, you know, a combo or something. I don't necessarily think that's needed, you know, at least not right away, you know, when he debuts. Uh, you know, as far as what he would be doing, I wouldn't, you know, thrust him into the title picture right away or anything like that. But I I am, I would be very interested to see him in the ring with uh, Brian Danielson. It's a match I've never seen before. It's two, you know, guys who you know can work, you know they can go. Uh, I wouldn't want to waste too much time, frankly, in putting the two of them in the ring against each other. I really wouldn't. In fact, 
you could even come up with an idea where if Brian is going to debut at Arthur Ashe, Arthur Ashe on the 22nd, uh, I would almost come up with some kind of an angle where Cole attacks him. His first night in, he's soaking in all the cheers, he's soaking in all the adulation. People aren't expecting it. And Cole is the one who actually attacks him and ruins his his big moment. I mean, he'll, he'll get the initial you know, pop and everything. I wouldn't have him attack him in the aisle way. But maybe you do that, you know? I'd be, he- shit. Why, why waste time, you know? That would be one way for him to make an impact. You know, you steal his moment away from him, and there you go. You got a ready-made feud already. Danielson and Cole. I don't need to see Adam Cole debut and spend weeks wrestling, you know, Alex Reynolds and Lee Johnson and people like that. But at the same time, I would debut him, I think, as a heel. And you've got two heel champions right now in Miro and Kenny Omega. So you don't really want to thrust him. You don't want to thrust him into the title picture anyway. That's one idea that I would consider. The Danielson idea is one idea I I would consider. Uh, Dry chicken without flavor. If MJF... Yes, Ryan, that's right. They did have a match on SmackDown. That was that was a one-time match because all the wrestlers got stranded over in Saudi Arabia. So, yes, they had that one main event on SmackDown, which Cole won. That is true. But I believe that might have been their only time in the ring together. That was not a program, though. That was a match. A very fun match, too, by the way. A great match that was. I want to see it again. Dry Chicken, if MJF wins it all out, will Chris Jericho's commentary help you sleep at night or give you nightmares? What do you think? What do you think? What what a... What a weird question to ask. You already know the answer. Why would you ask a question that you already know the answer to? Tyrone Dunstan. Keep up the great work. I binged all of your weekend content during my entire work shift yesterday. Definitely makes the time fly. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. We got almost 90,000 views and counting on our SummerSlam review. That is bigger than other channels that have literally twice the number of subscribers that we have here on this channel. 90,000 views on that SummerSlam. It may hit 100K before all is said and done. Thanks to you guys. And actually, if you take the SummerSlam recap and the predictions video, it's actually over 130,000 views. So I got to say, I got to thank all you guys for that. You, You really turned out and made that one of our biggest videos of the year. Deuce! Dropping $4.99. Where the hell is Sheeta? She's sorely needed on these main shows. Pretty sure she has not been on Dynamite since Double or Nothing. I don't know. I don't know uh, if she's here. I don't know if she's back in Japan. I don't know. But, you know, she was champion for so long. And, you know, she's not going to be in the title picture at the moment. So maybe they just don't know quite what to do with her or where she fits in. They could just be waiting for a place to kind of plug her in uh, to a story. I would think that we'll see her in the Battle Royal, though, at All Out. I would be surprised if she wasn't one of the 21 women who was in that Battle Royal. Uh, Orion Gaming. 
dropping five bucks. Anyone else notice how when CM Punk did an interview, he did not take the microphone from Tony? No, because he has respect for Tony Schiavone. He has respect for the interviewer. The interviewer is the one with the microphone in his hand. You do not remove the microphone from his hand. With Don Callis at this point, it's just part of the shtick. It's everybody else who would take the mic out of his hand that was pissing me off. Uh, Daniel, the most over guy on SmackDown, is... Pat. I guess he's saying Pat McAfee, I guess. I don't know what that means. Uh, dry chicken without flavor. Do you see Andrade with Ric Flair by his side going after the NWA world title against Nick Aldis? Uh, very possible. I saw Flair, I think, is going to be making an appearance, isn't he, at the NWA uh, pay-per-view coming up? So, Andrade working a match for the NWA? I, you know, I don't know what he gets out of it, but I, I could see that. Samoan fan, Adam Cole as the leader of the factory. No. No, 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 no. You keep Adam Cole away from the factory. You keep him away from the Nightmare family. Ryan spies Goldberg fears Colton Gunn. Hulkling93, have you seen the Ahmed Johnson promos from the WWF Warzone video game? Seen them? I played the game when it came out. Of course I saw them. I didn't understand a fucking word he said. (laughs) But I saw them. I laughed my ass off at the time. They should have put subtitles in that video. EJ Slemp. I think Cody finally turns heel when he comes back. Do you agree? And who would you feud him with first, Punk Danielson or Moxley? Uh, I don't see him going heel anytime soon. So the answer is no. I, I disagree. I don't see him going heel. Quintus Brown, J.D. Drake did his best cosplay of Roadkill from ECW. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amish Roadkill. That is a name I haven't heard in a while. I wonder what Amish Roadkill is up to these days. Anybody keep tabs on uh, on him? Is he still uh, wrestling, maybe? On the independents? Dry chicken without flavor, Malachi Black would get super heat if he invades Cody's home and attempts to kidnap Cody and Brandy's newborn child only to vandalize the baby room. That is creepy as fuck. I, I, they should put you on some kind of watch list, you coming up with ideas like that. that the child was just born. I don't think we need to involve the, uh, the baby roads just yet. Abdul Rahman, have you seen episode two of Heels yet? 
And yes, I think they should rename it The Script. Uh, I have not. I am I am behind. I have not seen episode two of Heels. I have not seen episode one of The Walking Dead because the season just came back. Uh, I did watch the Bob Ross documentary on Netflix, which depressed the fuck out of me. Uh, it, it is not an expose on Bob Ross, but it's a very sad story about uh, the people who are in charge, basically, of his estate and who control his name and his likeness. And it's not his son. His son has basically been cut out of all of it. And it's uh, it's a pretty... It's a fucked up story. It really is. But uh, I enjoy me some Bob Ross. I, I watch his show a lot. They have a 24-hour channel. I know they have something on Twitch, but they have a 24-hour channel on uh, Pluto TV. And, you know, he would have his son Steve on a lot to, to paint. And he's a lot older now to hear his son talk about everything that's happened, uh, you know, since his father passed away. It's, uh, it's very sad. But I watched that, and I watched... Uh, <laughs> Of all the current stuff that I'm so far behind on, I actually got around to watching a movie that I've been waiting to watch for a long time. It's an old movie from 1988, a Richard Pryor movie. This is probably right after he was diagnosed already with uh, with MS. Uh, but it's a movie called Movie. And King Kong Bundy has a role in the movie. He's a mover. Not a main character. But I had never seen it before, and I wanted to see it, and so I finally watched the the, the the movie movie. So I'll have to get to the current stuff soon. Food Hive. Miro mentioned his wife, uh, then was looking at someone. Are you implying that they're going to be bringing Lana, or uh, CJ, whatever her name is, into the uh, into the company? I mean, hey, if they wanted to put them together... He, he makes so many references to his his wife and how flexible and bendable she is. <laughs> you may as well. I mean, I wouldn't mind if they wanted to put her in his corner. Natural Born Thriller, Red Velvet, and uh, Red Velvet had the Shockmaster moment. I felt sorry for her, but that got me dying laughing. Food Hive, sound off reviews for each episode of Heels for members. Um, I'm probably not going to be watching them uh, right away every week. You could come up with other reviews, though, maybe for other stuff. I have to think about that. Uh, Khalid Adam, thoughts on the booking of Thunder Rosa right now? Well, Thunder Rosa is not in a program at the moment. So she is signed full-time, but not everybody can be in a program at, at the exact same time. Right now, the focus is Britt Baker and uh, Chris Statlander. I do think that it's okay for them to come up with another women's program that does not involve the championship. This is a big weakness of AEW. Uh, frankly, this is a weakness in WWE as well. But this is a noticeable weakness in AEW, where whoever the women's champion is, you have that program, but you don't really have another big women's program that's going on at the same time. No, nothing, nothing major, right? Nothing that really jumps out. And there's no reason you can't take a, a Thunder Rosa and plug her in somewhere and have her feuding with somebody else, whether it is... I'm not saying I want it to be Nyla Rose. I'm just throwing the name, you know, Nyla Rose out there. Uh, or or someone else. You know, I would, I would love to see her back in the ring with Serena Deeb. But unfortunately, Serena is out again with a knee injury. 
But I looked at that all-out poster, and the only woman on the poster was Britt Baker. And it was noticeable. I'm not going to rip the company for it. To me, I don't really give a shit. It's not that big of a deal to me. Uh, It might be a bigger deal to other people. But it was noticeable that they put Mark Henry on the poster. (laughs) Of all people. Why is Mark Henry on the poster? Why is QT Marshall, even though he's on the card, but why is he featured on the poster? Of all the people you could put on the poster, is QT Marshall going to sell any more buys for that event by putting him on that poster? He might do the opposite. Take him off. Temjin Zephyr. If not Kojima or Tanahashi, who would you like Moxley to face it all out from the roster? Can't use Suzuki. Why, why can't I use Suzuki? That's such a dumb thing to say. Why can't I use Suzuki? My answer is Suzuki. You can't tell me that I can't use Suzuki. Of course I can use Suzuki. He's not booked for the G1. I believe he is going to be stateside, so logistically, you probably could have used Suzuki. Uh, But if not Suzuki, then I would say uh, Ishii. Why not him? I'm going to assume he also probably is unavailable. I don't know all of their schedules, though. Those would be the two names. Either one would be fine. Uh, Uffman Entertainment, now the Flair is WWE free. Could you see him in future Dark Side of the Ring episodes or even last-minute add-ins to Season 3B? I don't see him as... I don't see him at all being part of this season. I don't think that uh, Plane Ride from Hell episode is going to paint him in a very positive light. I don't think he's going to want to have anything to do, frankly, with that show. Uh, But it is too bad they had already done the uh, North Korea Collision in Korea show because he should have been interviewed for that. But I guess they just kind of missed the window on that. I don't think he's going to come out of that episode looking very good, though. So I I would imagine that he won't be doing much with them in the future. Uh, Bobby Dalbert dropping five. How stoked are Living Color this month? I'm sure they're very happy. Their song is going to be getting a lot of play going for. I know I would be happy, especially if I were getting paid every time my song got played on TV. If that is the arrangement. I have no idea what the arrangement is. But I'm sure Tony Khan paid good money for that song. Powerful one. WWE gets Bobby Portis, role player, uh, while AEW gets Giannis, NBA Finals MVP, in Milwaukee after the Bucks win the championship. AEW just keeps winning. Was he there? Was he at the show? Maybe I missed that. A dry chicken without flavor. Will Ospreay, Jay White, Okada, Naito, and Suzuki should consider scouting wrestlers from AEW and Impact to add new members to their factions. And finally here, Jason J. What ties, if any, does Ruby Soho have to New Jersey? Because the runaway vignettes were shot in Hoboken and Newark. Big ups from Asbury Park. Well, somebody who knows perhaps her history better than I do can chime in on that. I'm not, I don't know where she's from. So was she born possibly in New Jersey? Uh, did she come up on the independent scene there? I, I don't know. I mean, clearly there is some kind of a tie. Uh, if there is, though, I'm not. I'm not aware of what it is. Uh, I will be live on Friday for those. I have a couple people in the chat asking. I will be live again on Friday night 
after Rampage. So, yes, there will be a live Rampage review. That is the plan right now. There will be a live Rampage review on Friday. Uh, I don't know if this will be permanent every Friday going forward, but at least through All Out, I am planning on going live on Fridays for uh, Rampage. Food Hive, getting the disgusted Brandy Rhodes super chat. Sala Monster reviews Joker for members. I feel like everybody's already seen it. I'm probably the last one in the world who hasn't. It's kind of it's kind of old news at, at this point, isn't it? Well, according to Powerful One, Giannis was there. He was not on TV, but he was there with Tony Khan, and he went to the ring. Oh, very cool. I did not know that. Food Hive with the Boombox Brock Super Chat. What was for... Di- you know, the uh, that reminds me. Uh, Mustafa Ali did an interview. I think it was last week. And he he revealed that he was going to win the Money in the Bank match. The, the year that Brock won it. So that would have been, uh, I guess, 2019, right? 2018, 2019. Ali was going to win Money in the Bank. Literally, as he was getting ready to go to the ring for his entrance for the match, he was under the impression that he was winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. And then Vince McMahon went over to him and said, here's what we're going to do tonight. Brock is going to come out at the end as a surprise and shove you off, and he's going to get the briefcase. And he said, like, what am I supposed to do in that situation, you know? I'm about to go out to the ring for this match. I don't really have any time to argue this. He's the boss. I'm like, okay, whatever you want. So imagine how how fucked in the head he must have been that night. Thinking he's winning money in the bank. This is going to be the biggest break of my career. And then the boss pulls him aside right before he goes out and says, eh, change of plans. But it did give, but the boombox Brock made me think about that because it did give us boombox Brock. So... At least we got something positive out of it. But yes, Musafa Ali, right up until match time, was of the impression that he was winning. He was told he was winning money in the bank, and he had it all taken away. But hey, Retribution, I guess, was their make good. We're going to put you in a faction. How'd that work out for him? Not too well. Food hot. What was for dinner tonight? Uh, Walnut pancakes. I think that's become the new Wednesday thing the last few weeks. Walnut-infused pancakes with powdered sugar on top and syrup. Cut up some strawberries. Breakfast for dinner. It's great. Yeah, you know, imagine if Ali was money in the bank. Even if he had won money in the bank, I'm sure they would have had him lose. I don't think it would have resulted in in a championship win. But that still would have been a huge moment for him. You know, there was a period of time there where he was really getting over as a as a babyface. But that's when that's the first time when he got hurt. And Kofi Kingston took his spot in the elimination chamber, and then we got Kofi Mania. So it's amazing when when certain decisions are made or somebody gets hurt, one one injury or one decision at the last minute can just change everything. 
The Coog 97 says, When I hear the name Mustafa, I think of Mustafa Saeed, one half of the original gangsters with New Jack back in the 90s. He's still around. Uh, Samoan fan, where is Christopher Daniels? Last seen on May 14th. Well, wasn't he teasing in storyline that he was done? I think he's done. I did see uh, a picture of him recently. And he, he, I think it was when the Bucks attacked him on TV. His eye is still all bloodshot. It's been months. I don't know if that's ever going to go away. But his eye was, and this was only a few weeks ago, his eye was still all, all bloodshot. French toast. Problem solved. I would love to have French toast, but I can't. I haven't had French toast in years. Yeah, I believe he is. I believe Daniels is working as an agent. I think he's still around. I just, I think his in-ring days are, are over. Or it could just be that the bloodshot eye, maybe it's keeping him out of the ring. Maybe it's just a legitimate injury. I think he had said that it's not affecting his vision. Uh, but it is possible maybe he has an eye injury. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. It's very possible. Maybe that's what's keeping him out. It looked gnarly, though. That would have me worried if after all this time I still had... If my eye was still bloodshot like that after all this time. Hopefully for him it'll uh, it'll go away. Paul Heyman. Thoughts on Shredder, Carrie, and Cross. I'll talk more about him on the podcast this weekend. But uh, as I said on Twitter... What was the comment I made? It was something like, uh, I'll get you, I'll get you turtles one of these days. Maybe on uh, Raw next week, he'll bring out Bebop and Rocksteady. And then after his match, they could have April O'Neil do the uh, backstage interview. Michael Wright donated $1.99 and forced Big Show to watch Raw. That's my Raw face every week, right there in that super chat. Amen in the chat. Hey, what's up, Solomonster and chat? Everybody say hello to Amen joining us here. Dry chicken without flavor, dropping five bucks. If Karrion Cross was dressing up as Shao Kahn last Monday, soon WWE will dress Scarlett Bordeaux as Sindel. Well, apparently not, because uh, Scarlett is nowhere to be found. Seamus was Rocksteady. That's a good point. Seamus, that's right, that's right. In one of the Ninja Turtle movies, Seamus did play Rocksteady. So all you need now is Bebop. Keith Lee. That's going to be his new gimmick. It's going to be Keith Lee as Bebop. Seamus as Rocksteady. And Karrion Cross as the Shredder. There you go. Now who plays the Turtles? Profane Gaming. Uh, what did Darth Hogan... Say to Luke Skywalker, Luke, I am your father, brother. Hmm. 
a uh, Paul Heyman-esque super chat there. Carlton Bruton, why can't you have French toast? I uh I cause I can't have I'm I'm lactose intolerant. I'm sure there's something in French toast that I can't have. So I don't take the chance. But I used to I used to love that. You lather on the syrup. Oh, it was so good. Shambly Games in the chat says Scarlet as Krang. I used to have a super chat. Remember Corbin Krang? It was a picture of Krang in in uh Baron Corbin's midsection used to have that that belly button. It looked like a sad face. I think I disabled it, but we used to have the Corbin Krang super chat. Food Hive wants to know, where is Bert Hurt? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Where is Bert Hurt? Frost says, seriously, is there anything you can have? Now, now you know why I lost all the weight. Oh, that's why I look like skin and bones here. All the shit that I would love to have, but I can't. Paul Heyman says, at least we still have Dewdrop. Matt Riddle as Michelangelo. That is perfect. That's right out of central casting right there. Michelangelo, Matt Riddle works perfectly. Raphael was the one who had the uh, the attitude. I feel like Randy Orton would be Raphael. Randy Orton is Raphael. Matt Riddle is Michelangelo. Leonardo was the, uh, well, no, Donatello was the cerebral one, right? So he, um, I don't know who Donatello would be. We got to come up with roles on Raw for all of these, uh, all of these characters. Nick Caps says, big ups from Toronto. I believe a teaser trailer is out for Dark Side of the Ring. I have seen it. Yes, yes. Jim Ross has a comment in that teaser trailer where he he drops an F-bomb and says, if he never hears about the fucking plane ride from hell ever again, it won't be a day too soon. <laughs> so I'm sure he'll be really ornery in that episode. It's going to be great, though. I'm going to have reviews for each episode after, as I did for the first half of the season. So that's something to look forward to. John Morrison as Donatello. Carlton Bruton, I am too, but I risk it all the time. Yeah, I I will I will risk it for certain things, but other things I just it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it, brother. William Regal as Master Splinter says Bread Heart. Food Hive, the Butcher and the Blade. Uh, the Butcher and the Blade. JR, have we seen these men before? No. Hey, look, it's the bunny. JR, who? That is still one of the mo- more priceless commentary exchanges in the history of AEW television. Was the debut of the Butcher and the Blade. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. That's true. Ali really just replaced Cena. If you put John Cena in there, that that's the uh, WrestleMania 25 uh, title match, isn't it? Shayna Rooney in the chat just got back from Dynamite in Milwaukee. Fun atmosphere, and it was tremendous to see Punk in a wrestling ring again. So, Shane enjoying his experience. How was the reaction? How was the pop for Punk when he came out? It came across pretty well on TV, but you were there live. So, being in the building, how was the live reaction when he came out? Uh, Mr. Ozone wants to know what happened to the butcher. He is hurt. That is why we have not seen him on TV. 
Dr. NXT Scorpio says you can't just add people at the last second in the main event. Lazy booking. Lazy booking creative, he says. Jamin John, why The Rock did not return as Hollywood Rock in 2011? Because they didn't want him as a heel. The Rock was gone for about seven years. You can't bring him back and just have him play heel. You, You almost had to bring him back the way that you did. As much as I love Hollywood Rock, even I would have brought him back as a babyface because when you're gone for that long, you know that he's going to be treated as a babyface and cheered like like one when he comes back. Excalibur sounded so nervous when the punk rampage started. You can understand why. It was the biggest show in AEW history, and they knew it. They knew going in it was going to be their biggest audience or one of their biggest audiences, and it was a huge, huge moment for that company. And you're the first voice that people are going to hear when you go live on the air. I'd be nervous, too. Uh, Carlton Bruton. I love your podcast, bro. I always listen and watch. It helps me get through my long night shifts. Well, thank you, Carlton. Again, I I love it when uh, people find the podcast helpful or useful in some way. Even if it's just to pass the time, I'm here every week, every Sunday, every Wednesday, and right now every Friday. I feel like the schedule is getting busier. You could always, you always can rely on the fact that there is going to be a show. Uh, Magician Sapphire dropping a $10 super chain. Russo on a pole. There it is. Russo on a pole, bro. Look at baby Russo hanging on to that pole. What are your thoughts on Booker T's comments on CM Punk's Rampage promo? Uh, He is entitled to his opinion. That is uh, probably the worst take I have heard from him, though, uh, ever. So, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll say that uh, I highly disagree with his take. I don't know what he was watching, but yes, I do not agree with what he said. Chezza in the chat. Good morning. Good morning, he says. Or she. I guess it is morning, isn't it? It's just after midnight. Lakers patch. Should Nick Khan become an on-air authority figure? He could be this era's Vince McMahon. No. Brian Danielson to lead the Dark Order. No. Brock Lesnar should keep the ponytail. Yes. Buy or sell on the better return edge, 2020, or at Punk in uh, 2021. Edge had a great return at the Royal Rumble. Um, and there, But there were a lot more people in the building. He had a big stadium. He had like 40,000 people going nuts when he came out. But I can't, I can't go against Punk. That was as loud as any reaction I can ever remember. And being in the smaller building helps. You know, if Punk had come back in a stadium, open air, let's say, or even not open air, like a big stadium with 30, 40, 50,000 people, I don't know that it would have been as impressive. I really like, like in terms of volume, sheer volume, that, that the difference a lot of times between those big stadiums and domes and a smaller regular size arena. Like there have been WrestleManias in, in open air stadiums in recent years that some matches look like they're just, you know, the crowd is just dead. But then you hear from people who were there saying, no, no, people were really into it. And they say sound travels up and everything. Being in those big stadiums sometimes can actually work against you. 
So I'm I'm glad that Punk's return happened in Chicago, in a regular arena. It's as loud as any reaction I can ever remember. Honestly, it was it was comparable in a lot of ways to when Austin walked out on that Raw to help Mankind win the championship, except the building was shaking that night because you could see the hard camera was shaking. I didn't see the building shaking when Punk came out, but in terms of just sheer volume, uh, you're going to be hard-pressed to find anything that beats that. Yeah, I think it's only a matter of time before we get trios titles in AEW. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when do they actually want to uh, pull the trigger and bring them in. You probably would do a tournament for it. They're they're in the middle of a tag team tournament right now. You don't want to have more than one tournament going on at the same time. Uh, Food High, Excalibur, Butcher and Blade Call, or or Tony Khan's Nine Days. Boy, you really are hung up on that Nine Days promo, aren't you? You really are. Speaking of Brian Danielson, there is that super chat. There is nothing about Monday Night Raw that is fun. Truer words could have have rarely been spoken. Although, if I had to pick one thing, I'd say Riddle and Orton. Riddle and Orton is enjoyable. But when he made that comment on Raw, he was telling the truth. Daniel Bryan was. That was an actual comment he made on Monday Night Raw. It hit a little a little close to home. People were crying in the crowd when Punk came out. Hey, I'm sure there were people crying in the crowd when Edge came out, too. That wasn't just for Punk. I'm sure Edge had people emotional in the crowd when he came back, too. Just because he didn't see him on camera doesn't mean they weren't there. We had a good, uh, a good crowd here on YouTube for CM Punk's first Dynamite appearance. And uh, as I said... Rampage is taped this week. I will, though, be live on YouTube on Friday night. Uh, We'll talk some AEW Rampage. And then this Sunday is episode 719. There are two This Week in History segments left to go. That's it. Two weeks. Two weeks and the segment is over. I'm already hard at work. And actually, we're covering something. I'm really, really happy. You know, given that there's only two left, that this one is being covered this week. Uh, I get to talk about the McMemphis days. The McMemphis angle. If you've never heard about this before, you're in for a treat. If you've never discovered the joys of Vince McMahon in Memphis, Mr. McMahon, years before he became a thing on WWE television, it happened in Memphis. I'm going to talk about that on the podcast this weekend. That's going to be fun. So, uh, again, give that a listen if you've never listened to the full shows. Thank you again for this. For those of you who tuned in late, we were the number one wrestling podcast, fan-hosted wrestling podcast on all of Apple Podcasts earlier this week. Number eight overall, we cracked the top ten, and uh, that just doesn't happen without your support. So I thank you all very, very much for that. Do vote in the poll. Follow me on Twitter, at Solomonster. That is how you can go and vote. I am on Instagram as well. The Solomonster is my handle on there. And uh, until Friday night, be well, stay safe, have yourselves a fantastic rest of your night, and uh, I will see you again uh, very soon for more AEW coverage live 
on YouTube here on the Solid Monster Sounds Off channel. Take care, guys.